All right, all right. Well, that gives you a little bit of a taste of what we experienced this past week at Adventure Week, and it was an amazing, amazing time. Before I just elaborate on that a little bit more, hey, do me a favor while you're clapping, give those a round of applause that are watching us right now. Welcome them into our worship experience. We appreciate you guys being a part of what God is doing here physically in this place, and I really do pray today would be a great encouragement, blessing to you. But uh, as I just stated, to, uh, this past week was awesome. Um, we had um, just an amazing time. It really, it was just an anointed time where uh, so many lives were impacted and changed. Specifically, there were 46 kids that gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And um, on, our, on our final night, we had the privilege of seeing 15 of them, actually 14, plus a mom that was actually baptized on, um, on Thursday night for our family night. It was incredible. It was packed. And so we had hundreds of, of uh, kids that were involved and engaged in our uh, Adventure Week this week. And I just can't say really just enough uh, how proud and grateful I am for our amazing dream team. I'm talking about the men and the women, the students that serve behind scenes, literally for weeks on weeks. I'm just laying the groundwork, just prepping, just getting all the, the details in place and our interns. They just did an incredible, incredible job. As a matter of fact, if you served in any capacity this past week at Adventure Week, would you do me a favor just quickly, just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. I know that a lot of times you guys don't put, like to be put in the spotlight. But yes, thank them and um, affirm them because what an incredible difference they made in so many people's lives. Uh, two quick things. I, uh, in fact, I just met a young man a few moments ago. He's going into sixth grade, and his dad, uh, in fact, they both were just beaming from ear to ear, and his dad uh, said, quote him the verse. Tell, tell him the verse, one of the verses you learned this week. He quoted me their theme verse out of Philippians, and it was just incredible um, just the, the, the way that our kids were able to receive and embrace the truth of the Word of God. Uh, I met a mom who uh, came, uh, actually it was the second night of Adventure Week, and uh, so they were a little late, and the reason why they were a little late, because she had, the, the girl had already been to three previous camps uh, that day. And so the mom was hoping that her daughter was, was going to be tired and just want to go to home and go to bed. That's what the mom ultimately was hoping would happen. But she had been to other types of camps throughout that day, and her little girl said, Mom, I want to go to the Jesus camp. And so her mom brought her that night, and it was kind of cool because we had the opportunity to, to talk to them, and I thought it was really uh, kind of fitting that uh, the little girl, she associated our camp compared to all the other camps as the Jesus camp. So I love the fact that we're giving kids Jesus, amen? It's all about investing and sowing into the next generation. And so uh, once again, God's done an amazing, amazing job, and uh, God is, yeah, God's done an amazing job, no doubt, but uh, our people have done such an amazing job, and God gets certainly all the glory for what he has done. And um, with that in mind, um, you know, we've been in a series called The Summer of Love, and we've been trying to express that, uh, really trying to activate that in all the different ways, obviously from uh, the series of messages to uh, the opportunities through our life groups, through the summer semester that we've been learning and, and doing life together in that way. Another big thing that we did, of course, a couple of weeks ago is our big uh, National Serve Day that we had the opportunity to participate in. It's just another way of us showing and demonstrating the love of God this summer. Another thing, of course, Adventure Week. And then we're getting ready to leave um, Thursday. We'll be taking a busload of students up to um, Birmingham, Alabama. And this will kind of be the, the culmination of an amazing summer uh, for our families and for our students. And uh, we're going to Motion Conference. It will be about 17,000 
students that will be gathered together, uh, really mainly from the southeastern region of the country, and uh, we have opportunity to expose our middle school, our high school, and some of our college students to be a part of something that is absolutely life-changing. And so God is doing a great work, and um, I'm encouraged, you know, as a dad of three kids, I'm encouraged because I see what God is doing as he's raising up, as he's preparing the next generation. And uh, with that, I just want to share my heart to you um, in light of where we've been this summer. And and next week, uh, we're going to be concluding our Summer of Love series. But I just want to pause for a moment, and I want to just share my heart with you as it relates to a topic that I think is very fitting with the Summer of Love theme. But at the same time, I think in light of what we just experienced, what we just came off of as far as Adventure Week, I think parents, specifically families, need all the help, all the hope, all the encouragement they can get. And so today what I want to do is I want to share with you a message on five ways uh, to show love to your kids, or I'd like to maybe call it this, five things that kids need most from their parents. And so if you were ever maybe taking notes, uh, this would be one of those. You may want to get your pen, uh, get something handy to write with and write on, or you can follow along in our app uh, if you want to do it that way in a digital format. But I want to share with you something that I think is very, very vital as it relates to uh, the needs of our kids. You know, it's been said that, that parenting is simple, but it's not easy. And I think if you have ever been a part of raising children, you know that it sounds simple, but it's one of the most difficult, challenging, demanding jobs on the planet. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's any more, I don't think there's really any more um, difficulty in life more so than raising children. On the flip side of that, it's also, I believe, one of the most fulfilling and most rewarding experiences one can ever truly experience. And so I like what English poet John Wilmot said. He said, before I got married, I had six theories about bringing up children. Now I have six children and no theories. And so I think we can all relate to the fact that, you know, there's just no guarantee. There's just no, there's just no way to figure it all out. Sometimes it's just through trial and error. Sometimes you just have to kind of just be thrown into the fire, you know, to really figure out and learn and understand, you know, really what we can do and how we can do it when it comes to to raising up our kids. And have you ever stopped to think about this for a moment? Where do you go to learn how to parent? I mean, it's not like you can enroll in some parenting university or go to some parenting college and get a two or four year degree on raising children. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just a, it's non-existent. It doesn't doesn't happen. I mean, fortunately today, you know, through uh, things like you know YouTube, you know, there's some helpful things out there that you can at least learn from, get some tips from. But but think about it. Where in the world do you go to learn how to raise children? You're kind of you're kind of just thrown out there, in no man's land. You're you're really left to your own to figure that out. And so therefore, for most of us, our default is just to look back at our parents and basically just mimic or copy what they did. So if most of us learn how to raise our children or parent based on how we were raised or how we were parented by our own children, excuse me, by our own parents who, 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 who were working on us as their children. And so we were kind of like a, you know, a pilot project for them. But, but think about it for a moment. I mean, we look to our past, we look to our parents to learn from, but you know, and I know, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Our parents made mistakes. There's only one perfect parent, and it's our Heavenly Father. 
And so I love what the scripture says in Matthew 5, verse 48. Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. Obviously, we are sinners. And because we're sinners, we can never be perfect. But we can be righteous through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's what God has made us in a relationship that we have with with Jesus Christ. And so God's intention for you and for me is not perfection. God's goal for your life and for mine is to conform into the image of Christ Jesus. Our goal in this lifetime is to become more and more like Jesus as we possibly can. So I think what God was trying to help us understand, the principle behind that verse is this. Listen, if you really want to know how to raise your children, if you want to know how to help raise up the next generation, okay, well, the secret to that is this. Treat your children the exact same way that God treats us. Love your children the exact same way that God loves us. I love what the scripture says in Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. The same way a loving father feels towards his children, that's what a sample of your tender feelings toward us. Your beloved children who live in awe of you, you know all about us, inside and out. Isn't that amazing? To know that God loves us, and not only does he love us, he actually created us so that he could love us and so that he could actually have a personal, real, and intimate relationship with us. And because he knows us, because he created us, and because he loves us, and he wants ultimately what's best for us, well, then the best thing we can do is learn how to love one another and specifically love our children the exact same way. That God loves us. So there are five things that I just want to bring out from Scripture today. Five things that I believe that kids need most from their parents. And if you take your notes, I hope you'll write this down. Number one is understanding. I love what John Maxwell says. He said, we must first seek to understand before being understood. And I think so often we kind of blow past the understanding part. And we're trying to focus on being understood. But sometimes kids just need to know that mom and dad care enough and love enough to truly understand their world, to understand their hurts, to understand their feelings, to understand what it is perhaps that maybe means the most to them. You know, when I I traveled for nearly 15 years across the country, and one of the most consistent or common statements that I would hear when I would interact and talk in a one-on-one way with, with kids all over the country, and even among kids here at our own church who often will, will confess this statement. They say, you know, my parents just don't understand me. And I heard that so much, so frequently uh, among kids in so many different places and really in so many different seasons or stages in their, in their, in their years growing up that I actually put that in a book um, for nearly 15-plus years Um, God allowed me to actually write seven books. And of those seven books, my favorite is this one right here. And it's called If My Parents Knew. And the reason why I was so compelled to write this is because it actually contains letters from kids all over the country who wrote to me what it was that they wished their parents knew about them. Things such as what I like about them, what I really need from them, how much I want to be somebody, how my friends make me feel. 
fears and questions about sex and things that, that maybe they wanted to talk to somebody about, but they didn't know who to turn to or where to go for help. You see, a lot of kids today, they just want to know that, hey, somebody cares enough to truly understand what's going on in their head, what's going on in their heart, and to truly enter into the world. And that's the reason why the Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 3, and I love the way it captures this in the Amplified Version. Through, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And, notice carefully, by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. I believe one of the most important things that that parents can do, mom and dads can do, is to really help be on the lookout at the earliest possible age for the things that their kids succeed in. And I think so often we, we, we minimize that there are certain gifts and abilities and talents that God has uniquely blessed our kids with. And sometimes we want our kids to conform into what we think they should be or what we want them to become But at the end of the day, sometimes God has a different plan. Sometimes God has a different path. You see, God has put a certain and unique DNA inside of them that's made them unique with their gifting, their their potential, the the, the seeds of greatness that that he specifically has planted inside of them that only they can fulfill and carry out because that's a part of his plan and his purpose. That's the reason why today at 4 o'clock, my challenge would be if you've never been to growth track, You ought to make it a family commitment to go to growth track today. One of the greatest joys that I have is seeing families go to growth track because they're learning together. And here's the reason why that's so important. Because there's nothing more important on planet Earth than understanding and knowing what your purpose is. And that's what, why we do what we do with growth track. It's to help people discover their purpose. But it's a pathway. It's a process. And what we do is we teach you your gifts, your, your abilities. We help kind of just shed light on really what you do best. We help you understand your personality and your temperament. Because all of those things go into the fact that God has uniquely made us. And because he knows us and he understands us, we need to understand ourselves and understand one another so that we can support and encourage and affirm one another along the way. I love what Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for, for, for his abilities and talents Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I think it's one of the most misunderstood Proverbs in all of the book of Proverbs. Because a lot of parents think, oh, well, if I just get my kids in church or I put them in a Christian school and we just talk Jesus all day, when they're young, well, later in life, when they get older, they won't depart from it. It has nothing to do with that verse of saying. Yeah, that's important. And yes, that's something we should do. But the key word, and you ought to circle that in that verse, is way. There is a way, there is a bent, there is a path, there is a purpose, there is a divine direction that God has uniquely gifted our children and is our responsibility as parents. They help them discover that, they help them nurture that, they help them develop that so they can become who it is that God has created them to be. In Proverbs 14, verse 29 Here's the secret to understanding. You want to know whether or not you truly understand someone? Here's the key to understanding somebody. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 29, when your heart overflows with understanding, notice carefully, you'll be very slow to get angry. But if you have a quick temper, your impatience will be quickly seen by all. So one of the keys to understanding is by being patient, is by being calm, and is by being nurturing and helpful so that we can reach the redemptive potential that God's placed inside of us. So the first need that kids have, number one, is understanding. Number two is acceptance. It's acceptance. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we really spoke into this last week. But every child needs to know that they are not only loved, but they are accepted unconditionally for who they are. You know, the Bible says it this way in Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore, continue to accept and welcome one another just as Christ has accepted and welcomed us to the glory of our great God. I love that. Isn't it incredible to know that, that one of the ways that we can love people is by accepting people the way Jesus accepted us? And so one of the most powerful ways that we can show and demonstrate love to our children is by accepting our children the way Christ has accepted us. Now, we emphasized last week there's a difference between acceptance and approval. Because you can accept someone, you can love someone the way Christ has loved and accepted us, but not necessarily approve of the choices or the lifestyle or the behavior perhaps that they're, that they're living Kind of reminds me of the boy who just got his driver's license and he hit his dad up for the car. He wanted to borrow his dad's car so he can drive. And so he said, Dad, he said, when can I drive? When can I borrow your car? And he said, well, son, let's sit down and let's talk about it. So they sat down. And the father said, well, son, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. He said, son, he said, if you get your grades up, and he said, you clean up your room, you keep it straight. And he said, you get your hair cut. He said, I think I'll, I'll, I'll let you use the car. Man, his son got so excited. Several weeks went by, got his grades up, bringing home some of the best grades he'd ever had ever made. And all of a sudden, his dad, you know, uh, he, you know he, he began to notice his son was cleaning up his room. But when they sat down, they're talking through it. The dad said, son, he said, I'm real proud of you. He said, I've noticed over these last few weeks. He said, man, you've gotten your grades up, been doing really good, working hard at school. He said, I've noticed you've been very helpful with your mom. He said, you kept, you've been keeping your room clean. He said, son, he said, he said, man, that's great. I'm proud of you. He said, but I've noticed something, son. He said, I noticed you didn't get your hair cut. So the son, he said, you know, Dad, he said, I've been really thinking about that. He said, as a matter of fact, I've been reading my Bible. He said, Dad, he said, you know what I've learned in the Bible? He said, as a matter of fact, he said, Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. Samson had long hair. He said, as a matter of fact, Dad, I've learned that even Jesus had long hair. You know what his dad's response was? He said, yeah. He said, that's true, but they walked everywhere they went. So... <laughs> A lot of people have a hard time maybe uh, approving of certain things. But at the end of the day, hey, we got to accept one another the way Christ has accepted us. And that's something I think is so vitally important that kids understand that mom and dad love them and accept them unconditionally for who they truly are. And I think one of the most Listen, one of the dangerous things I think many parents can do is to compare their kid's performance and sometimes even compare their kid's appearance with another kid. Listen, the enemy of acceptance is comparison. 
It's unfair to compare. God has placed certain abilities. God has made kids and he's made all of us the way he has seen fit. Because God has a unique plan. He has unique purpose that is unique to all of us. And so we've got to understand that when it comes to the issue of showing love to our kids and, and showing acceptance to our kids, you say, well, how do I do that? Two ways, by simply listening to them, trying to understand them, but also loving them. And we do so by loving them unconditionally, by accepting them. Number three, the third thing that kids need, they not only need understanding, they not only need acceptance, but thirdly, they need discipline. I love what Andy Stanley says. He said, leadership is about taking people where they need to go, not where they want to go. Same is true in parenting. Parenting is about helping our kids go where they need to go, not necessarily where they want to go. Because if we let them go where they want to go, that means they're going to be in front of a video game all day. That means they're going to be sleeping until noon. That means they're going, to be, they're, they're going to be doing things that you don't want them to do as a parent. That's the reason why we have to challenge them and inspire them, and we've got to take them to where they need to go. It's a part of leadership in the home. It's a part of pushing our kids to reach their potential. You know, I think what happens for a lot of kids is they struggle at times really knowing where the line is. They, they have a hard time maybe understanding where the boundaries are. You know, we have too many Etch-a-Sketch parents today. Remember the Etch-a-Sketch parents or the Etch-a-Sketch game when we were, we, you know, we were kids, you know, the little red, you know, little board game and, you know, you, you had the little knobs and you would draw these little squiggly lines or whatever and then you mess up, you kind of shake it up and it come clean. Well, that's kind of the way a lot of parents parent their kids. It's kind of like what was, what was wrong today is okay tomorrow. And so the kids are a little confused. It's like, okay, well, I got away with that yesterday, and, but I didn't get away with it today. So where, where, where's the line? And so I think the challenge is a lot of times is a lot of parents are afraid sometimes to discipline or draw the hard line when it comes to helping define the boundaries of what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. I remember talking to a group of kids one day and a couple of the, the, the teenage boys were talking about how, you know, they were kind of being negative from the standpoint of just telling their other friends, they're like, yeah, well, my parents, man, they're strict. They won't let me do this or they won't let me do that. They won't let me go here or go there. And, you know, one kid spoke up and he said, yeah, he said, my parents are just always riding me about this, man. They're always breathing down my neck. And then finally one other kid spoke up and he said, you know what? I said, I wish I just had parents who cared enough to even ask those kinds of questions in my life. And so I think sometimes we fail to understand that kids want to know. And not only do they want to know what is right and what is wrong, but more importantly, they want to know why things are right and why things are wrong. That's where principles of God's word come into play. And so parents have got to understand the role that they have when it comes to establishing those important guardrails and guidelines in the home. That's the reason why we, we did the whole family shift series a few weeks ago, and we emphasized the importance of defining a mission and a vision and your core values. Remember that? Why is that so important? Because your values, your beliefs will ultimately determine your choices and your behavior. And so if you don't know what you believe or why you believe it, then anything is pretty much up for grabs. 
And so when you have a clear mission and vision of the kind of family you want to be and you know exactly where you're going and then you have a set of core values, well, those core values serve as your guardrails and your guidelines to help keep you moving in the right direction. And so there's a difference between discipline and punishment. What is the definition of, of discipline? You ever thought about that? Discipline is correction driven by love. That's what it is. Discipline is correction driven by love. And there's a difference between punishment and discipline. You see, punishment is inflicting a penalty for something that we've done wrong. But discipline is about promoting growth. It's basically saying, hey, I love you enough to want to help you and care for you. I want to help you grow. I want to help you reach your potential. So punishment is focusing on the past, whereas discipline is focusing on the future to who they can become. And so that's the reason why discipline is not something we do to our children. It's something we do for our children so they can reach their true redemptive potential. And you know what? God does the same thing for us. You ever thought about that? I mean, God does the exact same thing for you and for me in our lives as his children, as believers in Christ, followers of Jesus Christ. When we step out of line, when we cross those boundaries, when we decide, hey, I'm going to do it my way rather than God's way, guess what God does? God has a way of getting our attention. God has a way of disciplining us. Why? He doesn't, dis listen, he doesn't do it to us. No, he does it for us to get our attention. Why? So we can get back into his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's what the scripture says in Hebrews 12, verse 4. My dear children, don't shrug off God's discipline. But don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it is the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And so listen, as God's children... We got to understand that, yes, God loves us enough to correct us. Why? It's not something he does to us. It's something he does for us. Correction is driven by love. The fourth need is this. So kids not only need understanding and acceptance and discipline, but they also need consistency. You know, in Psalm 145, verse 17, it says this. You are fair and righteous in everything you do, and your love is wrapped into all your works. So in essence, God's love is wrapped up in everything he does. We've got to understand something. When you think about God's love, it is consistent and it is constant. It never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a consistent and constant God. Aren't you thankful for that? So he can be counted upon. He can be trusted. 
Why? Because God's promises always hold true. You know how you build consistency with your kids? By simply fulfilling promises and earning their trust. I love what Josh McDowell said. He said, you can fool a fool, you can con a con, but you can't kid a kid. Kids see right through us. Kids know whether or not you live what you say you believe. You can't say, well, just do as I say, not necessarily as I do. That doesn't make any sense. That's a, it's a sketch parent. Now, kids want to see consistency. They want to know that mom and dad is modeling what they say they believe. That's the reason why, hey, it's on us to lead in that way. Imagine, imagine what would happen if, 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 if we begin to live in a way that's consistent with what we say we believe and what we're about as a family. Imagine if kids growing up today saw a mom and a dad who are committed to Christ, who are committed to one another, who are committed to the church, who are committed to the priorities of, of, of the things of God. Imagine what would happen to the next generation if they saw those kinds of examples. You see, it's the consistency that is so vitally important. And can I just say this as parents? It's never, listen, whatever you, whatever you do, don't become too arrogant or prideful to, to, to own up to the inconsistencies of your life. As a matter of fact, I think the six most important words a, 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 a parent can ever say to their kids is, I admit I made a mistake. It's okay to tell your kids you messed up. It's okay to t tell your kids, you know what? I was wrong in saying what I said. I was wrong in doing what I did. I have apologized and repented countless times to my kids because I've said things I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done because it was inconsistent with who I said I was about. And so we have to be consistent when it comes to those areas of our lives. And number five, kids need love. You know, it said it takes the wisdom of Solomon, the patience of Job, the strength of Samson, the protection of a thousand guardian angels, and more love than most humans naturally possess to raise children. It takes a lot of love. You know how you show love to your kids? Three quick ways. Write this down. Number one is simply through affection. Psalm 145, 9 says it this way, the Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who's a loving, kind, caring, compassionate, and affectionate God? He loves us more than we could possibly understand or even comprehend. Another way that we show love to our kids is not just through affection, but also affirmation. I love what 1 Thess Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. I believe one of the, one of the most important phrases or statements, in fact, the five most important things a parent can ever say to their kids is, You did a great job. Be a good finder. Catch your kids doing something right. Look for, look for the gold that God sees in them. Help them discover it and affirm it. Build them up. Be a people builder. Just build up your kids. And then lastly, we show love through affection and affirmation. 
but through attention. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, you draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. The average parent spends less than 14 minutes a week in meaningful conversation with their kids, according to James Dobson. Less than 14 minutes a week in meaningful conversation. I have three kids, as you know. My oldest just got married. And my next of the oldest is going into her junior year in college. And my son, Luke, is... um, a senior going into his senior year, so two daughters and a son, and they know Michelle and I are not perfect parents. Have we made mistakes? There are too many to count. Just ask them. Have we always been there for our kids? Yes. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt if there's something going on in their world, they have the confidence, they have the trust to tell us what it is that's going on in their life. And we have to stop. We have to look, we have to listen, pay attention so that we don't overlook the things that matter most. Listen, time is short, life is short. And we gotta do whatever we can to enter into one another's world. Because you know what, the enemy wants to do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come and you may have a life and experience it to the full. And the greatest single thing we can do is not just know God's love, but to really share that love with one another. Why? Because there is a world that's needing and desperately seeking to know and to be known and to be loved and to love. And the greatest example of that, I believe, should be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spiritual body of believers. And so why are we doing this whole summer series around the subject of love? Because like we said, the two single most important things that we've been placed on this earth to do is to love God and to love people. We wanna love God better so that we can shine brighter to a world that desperately needs it. Those are five things that kids need most from a mom and a dad. Let's ask God to use us to be the influencers, to be the models, to be the examples, to be the, to be the people builders, to be the encouragers that the next generation desperately needs so they can become all that God has created them to be. Can I get an amen on that? Amen.